0: Hello and welcome to Smalltalk Reflections, a weekly podcast for discussing and promoting the Smalltalk programming language. On this episode, we talk about collections and streams. My name is David Buck. And with me today is Craig Latta. Hi, Craig. Hi, David. How are you doing lately? Very well. So on this podcast, we're going to talk about collections and streams. My first experience with collections and small talk came after years of development in languages like C and Pascal, where all you had for collections was uh, arrays and they were fixed size collections. When I got into small talk and learned that small talk had like powerful kinds of collections, that was That was mind-opening. That was quite amazing to see.
1: Yeah. Not only do they give you a bunch of power that you didn't have before for expressing interesting structures, but it can make your code a lot more compact as well.
0: Oh, it's beautiful the way it makes your code compact. It adds a lot of safety, first of all, to the programming because not only is your code shorter and easier to understand, but it also, like the collections guarantee that, for instance, you don't index out of bounds. You don't do improper things with the collections, mistreating the, the data in the collections. I, that's more of the object-oriented style of Smalltalk, I suppose. They're general purpose collections, which was quite a, a novel thing for me at the time.
1: Yeah, definitely. Everything is much more concise.
0: Funny thing is, uh, back in the 90s, I remember doing some work on um, a Smalltalk project and we had to compare collections libraries with other libraries in other languages and uh, it seemed that the uh, Smalltalk collections were one of the most copied parts of the Smalltalk class library, because uh, there were implementations of these collections in various C libraries and various Java libraries. And since then, they've become you know, quite the thing to have in other other libraries. Collections are very highly copied.
1: Yeah, I see them everywhere, like in Objective C and Ruby. I, I see the the collection framework, sometimes even the Streams framework, and uh, you know, along with things like
0: MVC. The uh, collections framework in Smalltalk actually gets a lot of its power from blocks, and in fact you don't see blocks in many other of these languages. So they have to get around that with other constructs like enumerators or iterators, uh, which aren't quite as clean.
1: They mostly copy the nice message interface that collections and streams have in Smalltalk, but then they have to add a bunch of other interface in there as well uh, just to make it work.
0: One thing I've noticed about things like uh, C-sharp is that they they tend to copy the basic idea of the class library, but they don't give you little simple methods that are easier to write, but they simplify your programming a lot. Things like last, right? The last element of a collection, trivially easy to write, but they don't provide it in the base library in C-sharp. Right. So uh, it just feels whenever I go to other languages like that and use similar uh, collections libraries, they just don't feel complete. It's like I'm missing stuff. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's frustrating.
0: So um, collections uh, are, as we said, general and powerful. One interesting thing about collections is that they're typically untyped for most kinds of collections in Smalltalk. So you can put any object into the collection, and in fact you can mix different types of objects in the same collection. So uh, that's, it's quite novel from um, a, uh, a collection standpoint. Now, many collections in statically typed languages like Java have to be explicitly typed so you say this is the type of the element in the collection and then you can only put those things in Smalltalk talk allows you to put in anything
1: yeah and then you get all these useful protocols that you can use on collections no matter what's in them you know like for enumerating evaluating a block uh,
0: with each member of a collection for example and there are variations on evaluating a block with each member to for instance uh, evaluate a block on each member of the collection and only return a collection of the elements that uh, the block returns true for. That's called a select. And a collect will give you um, a collection of all the results of evaluating a block. So those are the kinds of things that are very powerful in the collections library in Smalltalk that tend to be missing in other environments.
1: Yeah, I heard a story that Dan Ingalls from the original Smalltalk group at Xerox PARC named the uh, enumeration protocol with this rhyming scheme, select, collect, reject, and so forth, because he was inspired by the uh, Arlo Guthrie song, Alice's Restaurant, where in that rap at the beginning, he's talking about how he, um, I think it was something to do with selective service. He, the government was uh, you know, collecting him and rejecting him and so forth. So there's a bit of a uh, 60s hippiedom uh, poking through there in the, in the naming of things.
0: Yes, I've, uh, I've heard that story. That's, that's rather humorous. Uh, it, it turns out that there are a lot of small talk collections methods that have the pattern act at the end, collect, select, detect, inject. Yeah,
1: I made up one once called elect, which was to sort of find the winner of all the elements of a collection based on some criteria.
0: <laughs> that's cool that's another interesting thing about the small collections and this goes for any small talk class in the library is that you can extend the classes that are there and add your own protocol to them so if you want to add an electing method you can add an electing method to collections so they're they're very flexible in that way yeah one weird thing people find when they get into small and start using collections is that the sequenceable collections the ones that are ordered they start with the index one as the first element of the collection. And who'd have thought that the first element of a collection would be index one? But uh, that's not typical in most other languages.
1: Yeah, most of the languages uh, have a more hardware-oriented approach to how they structure information. So that's sort of an artifact of machine design.
0: Yeah, most of the time, one-based indexing is exactly what you want. The first element of the collection is number one. The second element is number two. Every once in a while, that turns into a bit of a pain, and zero-based indexing would have been a bit easier. But in general, I find one-based is the most natural one to use.
1: And that's interesting. That sort of brings up streams, because with a stream, you have the concept of what's your position in the stream? In other words, how many elements have you read out of the stream so far? And for that, that definitely makes sense to start at zero. So that's uh, maybe a hint in your code design. If you feel like you really wanted to have zero-based indexing for something, well, maybe you should be using a stream.
0: Yeah. And I found the other place where zero-based indexing is useful is if you're talking about pixels in a bitmap and uh, you want to calculate what the next row is, having one-based indexing just makes things difficult. Right. But it's a fairly rare occurrence where something is zero-based more naturally than um, a one-based index.
1: Yeah, Uh, For a collection, yeah, as opposed to a stream's position, how many elements have you read out, you want a a correspondence to how big is this collection. So it makes sense for the last element of a collection to be associated with a one-based index.
0: Yeah, so that that makes it very nice. Uh, The other aspect of Smalltalk collections that I first saw in Smalltalk, although it may have existed in Lisp before, was that the collections were all growable. So I can take an order collection. Now, I shouldn't say all of them, but most small talk collections are growable. So I can take a small talk collection like an order collection, and I can keep adding and adding and adding elements to it, and it never complains that it's full. So uh, the fact that they're growable just means that there's no more worry about the size of a collection anymore. You can make it as large as you wish.
1: Yeah, and that dovetails nicely with the concept of garbage collection. You can add things to a collection without worrying about having to grow it, and then when you're done with the whole thing, you can just stop using it and it just magically goes away.
0: Exactly. And uh, there, if you're doing that, you might have to um, think a little bit about some, um, let's say, uh, performance considerations, because uh, if you're going to grow a collection and make a very large collection and you know that ahead of time, it's probably good to pre-allocate the collection to be large enough. Uh, the way these collections work, they tend to make a small collection of maybe 10 elements to start with. And then as you add more and more elements to the collection, it keeps doubling the size of the collection. Every time it does that, it has to copy things over. So if you know you're going to have a collection of 2000 uh, objects, make a collection that's of size 2000 to start with. And then there's less copying when when the collection needs to grow.
1: Yeah, that's right. Collections are being grown for you, but it does have a cost. And there are things you can do to minimize the cost.
0: And that's always the case. In fact, the fastest collection in Smalltalk is a simple array. That's the one that can get two elements the quickest. But just because you can get to elements fastest in an array doesn't mean that that's always the best collection to use for all purposes. It turns out that Smalltalk developers very seldom use arrays directly. They would rather use order collections just because they're easier to use.
1: Yeah, order collections give you just a little bit of stream behavior without all the stream
0: protocol and implementation. Now, I should say that since we're talking a bit about performance, if you're using these collections, you should be aware of basically how the collection works because there are some operations that are very fast on some collections and very slow on others. You may have to think about how you're using the collection. Um, I once went to a shop where they um, had a performance problem and they asked me to look into it. And one of the key reasons for the performance problem was that they were using dictionaries backwards. There was a protocol called key at value. Given a value, give me the corresponding key. Oh, wow. And to do that, they had to search through the whole dictionary, which could be potentially quite large. Right. And uh, it worked, but it was slow. And by changing that to be a forward index dictionary, so they just used at, it made it much, much faster.
1: Yeah, it's a good idea to familiarize yourself with the collection hierarchy because people have already experienced a lot of performance problems and made specialized collections to deal with them. And so you could probably take advantage of what people have already
0: gone through. In fact, there is a new collection that Syncom has just developed. It's called the TREAP, T-R-E-A-P. And it was developed exactly for that reason. They had a specific need for certain behaviors and those behaviors were slow with any kind of collection that Smalltalk currently had. So basically they wanted a collection that would have sort of quick dictionary-like access. You could quickly index into the collection by a key and find an element. But they also wanted the elements to be ordered so that There was a distinct order. You could go backward and forward and you could loop through in one order through the collection. So this collection is a combination of a tree and a heap. And they've um, put both protocols into one. Now, as always, there's a little bit of an extra cost that when you're adding things into the collection, it has to modify a little bit more data. So it takes a little bit longer to add into the collection, but it's still very, very performant. But now you can index in two ways instead of just one. So it made it much more valuable to them. Oh, cool. So um, I'll put a link to the uh, article on a treep in the show notes of this episode. So you can go have a look at that and see what that's about.
1: Cool. Yeah, another note about performance. In addition to being familiar with the code that's available for you to use, you should also be familiar with tools for measuring the need for cleverness. It's also a very good idea to be familiar with uh, time profiling and space profiling.
0: My mantra with profiling is always before you do any performance tuning, profile it first. Otherwise, you don't know what you're tuning.
2: I'm James T. Savage, and this is the Smalltalk Jobs Report. Bruce Anel, our EU contributor, reports that a position in Le Mans, France, has been relisted, this time by Fastor. As before, they want a Smalltalk expert who has experience with VisualWorks, Store, RSM, Subversion, and Jira. Bangalore, India. Cargill is looking for a Smalltalk developer who has a bachelor's degree in computer science, MIS, or a minimum of five years of software development experience, as well as experience with Smalltalk VSE, Smalltalk VisualWorks 7.9, and SQL. Windsor, Connecticut, and Lafayette, Louisiana, USA. Artist Consulting, CGI, and Anna Data Consulting are looking for application developers who have experience with Visual Smalltalk Enterprise, VSE 3.1, Window Builder Pro, as well as an overall 7 plus years IT experience with minimum of 3 plus years into design and lead developer tech lead role. It is considered a plus if you have knowledge or experience with any of the following. Health Insurance Domain Knowledge, .net, ASP.NET, C-Sharp, VB.NET, SSRS, SSIS, SQL Server, Crystal Reports, RDLC Team Player, Strong Leadership Qualities, on-site offshore coordination, effective communication, and analysis and design skills. White House Station, New Jersey, Windsor Partners, Ocayo, and Lorvin Technologies are looking for a Smalltalk consultant who has eight-plus years of experience on IBM Visual Age Smalltalk, is strong on OOPS concepts, has strong design and development skills on Smalltalk, knowledge of Smalltalk version 8.5, Smalltalk server, and writing web services in Smalltalk, and the ability to create high-level conceptual and low-level design. Insurance domain knowledge will be an advantage, particularly if it is related to property and casualty. Charlotte, North Carolina. K-Force is looking for a Smalltalk developer who has a bachelor's degree in computer science, information technology, or equivalent, has 10 plus years experience with Smalltalk programming and debugging troubleshooting with Syncom Object Studio, or equivalent, five plus years in client server application development, experience with SQL Server, experience with agile and waterfall software development methodologies, and the ability to translate business requirements into technical requirements. It is considered a plus if you have knowledge of Quality Center and Microsoft SharePoint. Miami, Florida. KForce is also looking for an applications architect who has Java skills, Smalltalk, VB.NET, and you must have strong communication and people skills. If you have Java and.NET, it is considered an added plus. The jobs listed in this report are just a few examples of these small talk positions that are currently open across the world. For more details, read our shared blog at smalltalkjobs.com. Good luck with your job hunting.
0: So, closely related to the collections library is a streams library. Now, you've mentioned this earlier. It's a library that allows you to read or write to a sequenceable collection, and it knows the index of the next element to put into the collection. It's sort of like having um, a file in memory that you can uh, advance, like you can write to and advance forward. In fact, uh, the same protocols for streams will work for not only internal streams, but also files and also sockets. So if you have a socket connection to another system, you can still use the same stream protocol to read and write to that socket. In fact, the uh, developers at Syncom have built on that flexibility and they've created a new library called Xtreams, that's X followed by T-R-E-A-M-S. And that's a new version of streams, and it allows you to layer streams one on top of the other. So for instance, I could have a stream that reads from a, a string. And then I have a layer on top of it that says, well take that and do uh, base64 encoding on it and give me the answer in another stream. And and I could take that and say compress it and give me the compressed answer. And so you can do compression and character encoding and encryption and all these different uh, facilities in a streaming fashion where upper streams just use the lower streams as their input. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, very. Now, one relevant tangent here that some listeners might want to follow up on is the idea of traits, a way of implementing this kind of mix in behavior that you're talking about, where you don't need to structure your classes in a strict hierarchy but you can have each class able to subscribe to multiple containers
0: of methods called traits. Yeah, traits is a fairly popular topic in the Squeak and Pharo world, I believe.
1: Yeah, traits are built into Pharo. I don't think they're built into Squeak, although you can load them. Originally, I think they were seen as a way to meet a demand for multiple inheritance where you feel a need for a class to not have just one superclass, but many superclasses, so it can inherit behavior from multiple places. Personally, I never found all that worth the added complexity. And most of the examples I've seen motivating them, I didn't find to be very compelling. When I first started with Smalltalk, I often saw an example about streams, oddly enough. In the original Smalltalk stream hierarchy, there were read streams, and there were read-write streams. Some people suggested that there should be traits for providing reading behavior and for writing behavior, and then you can just mix them in as you like. But I never liked that example because I never had any need for a, a write-only stream. Reading always was part of the behavior of streams, so I didn't, I didn't think the example was very good.
0: So you feel that all streams should be just inherently read-write, and why would you restrict it?
1: Yeah, exactly. The collection that you're streaming over may want to prohibit you from reading it, maybe for some security reason, but then that's up to that resource that you're streaming over to complain. It has nothing to do with
0: the stream itself. That's actually one of the uh, most common examples of places where Smalltalk might benefit from multiple inheritance. And uh, I think you've convinced me that uh, it's not really all that advantageous. The streams and collections libraries uh, They are found on other systems. I don't think there's anything uh, that I've seen that compares to, for instance, Xtremes uh, on any other system. This is quite a novel uh, library, but um, you're seeing these uh, elsewhere. And uh, it's one place where Smalltalk has had quite an influence on the rest of the uh, development world.
1: And getting back to collections, I think it's worth mentioning in passing, there are whole systems that are specialized for situations where you want really, really big collections. And we call those object databases.
0: Yeah, one such object database is uh, Gemstone. Uh, That's a commercial object database. There's another one that's uh, an open source object database. Magma is the one, yes. So uh, those are uh, both object databases. Uh, Back in the day, there was another one called Tensegrity. I don't know if you remember that one.
1: I heard of it, but I never used it.
0: Yes, I've I've used it uh, for a project years after when we're trying to um, resurrect a a project that was still running. The code was still running. It used a Tensegrity database, but they hadn't had any developers on the project for the last fifteen years, and now something is starting to go wrong, and they're asking us, "Can you fix this?" <laughs>
1: oh, okay.
0: <laughs> yep. But with all these object
1: databases, it's really neat how you can now be working with massive amounts of data, but you still have the same familiar message interfaces that you were using when you were just dealing
0: with small internal collections. And uh, to add to that, um, Gemstone, for example, has special syntax to do rapid searching through these collections because you can get huge, huge collections in Gemstone. You still have to be able to find things quickly in them. And sometimes just ordinary dictionary protocol isn't quite fast enough in a distributed database like this. So uh, they have uh, special indexes they can put onto collections to be able to find uh, elements based on various uh, keys in that in that table, in that index. So they use actually a curly bracket notation for their blocks for that. And the blocks look a little bit different than regular Smalltalk blocks but it's a, a nice optimized way of finding uh, elements in a collection. Um, the other thing about gemstone and uh, large collections, uh, they allow you to put constraints on uh, elements of the collection and that allows them to do a better job indexing. So it's one case in Smalltalk where you can have a type of a of, of an instance variable and that's strictly for gemstone to allow it to do faster indexing of that collection. Aha yeah yeah aha we succumb to types (laughs) (laughs) with uh, gemstone as well Uh, gemstone is a uh, it's a system it's a concurrent system that multiple sessions can be accessing at the same time and when you have a system like that you have to be very concerned about uh, concurrency Uh, one problem that they found was that when you have large collections if anyone adds anything to that collection then it causes um, uh, commit problems with other people trying to add to the same collection.
1: Right, or searching through them.
0: Or searching at the same time. That was turning into a big problem. So what they did is they came up with a whole class of collections specifically for Gemstone called Reduced Conflict Collections. So they have, for instance, RC bags and RC identity sets and collections like this that allow multiple sessions to write to the collection at the same time and not conflict with each other. So that's uh, an extra addition to the collections library that they've added in because you have so many people who can access the same database at the same time.
1: Yeah, so it sounds like uh, there are many good solutions for doing back ends to large web apps, for example.
0: And in fact, uh, Gemstone um, has a product called Glass Uh, gemstone linux apache seaside smalltalk Uh, and that's free up to a very high limit it can work for very large applications and uh, that is simply a um, an application that runs on the server using gemstone smalltalk and it will run standalone as a smalltalk web application Uh, that's something that a lot of people are using for projects these days cool so glass that's sort of an alternative to the traditional lamp stack that's something that gemstone has available and it's on their website and like i said you can get glass for free i think that pretty much covers it so thank you very much craig sure thank you you can email us at smalltalkreflections at this You can tweet me with at DK. And you can tweet to me at C-C-R-R-A-A-I-I-G-G. You can visit our blog at smalltalkreflections.blogspot.ca and leave a comment there. Or you can post a review on iTunes. Craig Ladder performed the music and edited the podcast, and we'll see you next week. See you later.